I'm going to get you to use your memory a bit this morning. So I know it's Sunday. You haven't started work yet. So, um, but um, one of the things I, 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 I I'll, I'll tell I'll tell the most recent one, so you can warm up your brains a little bit. Who has been to the movies in a, a recent sort of time frame? Last couple of months. So um, the thing is, pre-COVID. You would go to the movies and there would be a range of trailers coming out of upcoming movies. And COVID's hit and it's changed how movies have been made and released. And all of a sudden I sort of, I've looked at the upcoming year. I'm going, well, not that I don't have a lot of time to go to the movies. There's not much I want to go see. Um, and so the, the, the thing is the trailer's meant to produce in you I suppose, a sense of ex- expectation or anticipation of movies that you could possibly go see in the future. And so when you sit through and go, oh, like the, I suppose their reaction would be like, if, if people say, oh, I might go see that one when it comes out, is exactly what it's meant to have happened. But I remember uh, a time, and we've got no youth here, so we can actually talk about this. And But who remembers going to the video store? Going to the video store, and, and the thing is, most of the time, okay, as a family, we'd, we'd go like, I'll get five movies out for ten bucks, so we had a number of movies we could watch. But every now and again, you'd, I think it was Cheap Tuesday, you could get a new release, and you'd be looking at the upcoming new releases. But then on the new releases, so not only were you getting to see a brand new movie that you hadn't seen at the cinemas, then they have trailers of the movies that were coming out on video soon. And so you got to sit in your lounge room and going, oh, that looks so awesome. I can't wait to see that movie. And so as a kid, I remember that sense of expectation and anticipation was heightened. And it's one of the things I miss. Like now pretty much you can go on YouTube and watch trailers that are coming up and it's not quite the same. And, and you can, as soon as the movie comes out, you can download it on your device. Not quite the same. It doesn't have that same kind of oh, something is coming soon that is going to be awesome. Um, but even like this specific movies that I can remember going to the cinema and you see the first trailer of a, a new Star Wars movie that's coming out, you go, oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Then you get to it and you watch it. And, oh, I'm not that excited. I was a bit disappointed, actually. But the thing is, it creates this expectation and anticipation. So um, Hans just read about two things specifically. What did he talk about in, his, in the Bible reading this morning? Salt and light. Um, and salt does this thing where it actually produces um, or it increases flavour. It preserves food. But you imagine some of the food that we eat that if it didn't have salt, like if you just had like potato crisp or chips that you get in a packet, without salt, they would actually taste really, really oily and you'd kind of go, why am I doing this to myself? But they add all these different flavours, all these different t- types of salt and you go, oh, you know what, these taste really good. Um, and you may have your favourite type of chip, but then hot chips, hot chips without salt, you kind of go, what's the point of them? Like, again, you want, you want salt on that. Um, and there's so many other things. Popcorn. Anyone like just plain popcorn without any salt, without any butter? Okay, so we've got one. But a lot of us, like, we go to the cinema, again, going back to the cinema, we go to the cinema to have popcorn 
and we and I suppose it it does two things. It makes us thirsty, so it makes more money for the movie cinemas. But it we love it with the salt. In fact, we we keep going back into the bucket, go back into the the box of popcorn, and keep eating it away. So salt has this thing that it increases flavour. But those are the things where salt really is, I suppose, the star. But for those who know how to cook, um, and maybe for some of us who don't. Salt actually is mixed into a range of food that, again, enhances the flavour. And so you may not even be able to go, oh, there's salt in that, but you eat it and go, this tastes nice, and salt actually brings about an increased enjoyment of that. Um, but the thing is, what we need to realise with salt and light, what it helps us, what it should get pushes towards is that the fact that we need to, to understand that standing out is important. Um, and, and because going back to the idea of the, the, the movie sort of um, preview coming out, it, it creates that anticipation expectation and we should be doing the same thing. As Christians, being salt and light, we should be going and living in a world where we actually live out and, and see the kingdom grow around us, the kingdom of God grow around us. And all of a sudden, we are standing out and drawing attention to other people saying, hey, look, the kingdom is coming. And the thing is, like, if, if our lives are like a good trailer then, are other people going to look at us and go, do you know what? I want to, I'm actually interested in seeing the kingdom. I'm actually interested in finding out more about this. And so this is where salt and light actually, it brings um, this, this extra a- aspect to our life. So Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, I've never actually re- researched that idea whether salt can lose its salt, but like I suppose other things get mixed into it, like um, and it sort of, I suppose, decreases the overall flavour and, and potency of it. Um, the next verse, in verse 14, it brought up the idea that if you've lost your saltiness, then basically it just gets thrown out and trampled on the street. So again, if we are called to be salt and we've lost our saltiness, the warning is a little bit, um, I suppose, um, it's, a, it's a bit scary at times. Um, but then we sort of try and understand the fact that like, the life of Christ needs to be seen in us. Um, and so... In um, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, again, you've got to understand this. Like, we go to a wall and we find a switch and we turn it on and the lights come on. We've even, some homes have even got that thing where you can actually turn a dial and it goes lighter and darker. And then if you're really fancy, you go, hey, Google, can you turn the lights on? So for those who are in the technology, you understand how to do that. Um, but the thing is, or well, you can use your phone and turn your lights on because you're too lazy to walk the five metres over to that switch over there. Or in our house, I'm too lazy to call out to the kids to turn the light on. So, um, but the thing is, like, we have that. In the ancient times, they, had, they didn't have central lighting. Um, they would probably light one room or as the rooms are being used, whereas in our house, as many lights are on as possible, like um, make sure the lights stay working and let's just turn everyone on um, because we don't want... Maybe my kids are following that principle. We need to be the light of the world. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're doing. But in, in ancient times, they would, be, they would have something that would raise up the light and so it would bring light to the room so everyone could enjoy that time together. And, but in saying that, there's this implicit idea that we don't hide our light. Now... 
I know there are times as Christians where we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Um, and it, sometimes it might be a worthwhile thing, like if you're being persecuted in China, don't go on the, on the corner of the road and say, hey, I'm a Christian, arrest me. Like, they don't do that there. But I think sometimes we, we miss opportunities to let our light shine because we are hiding it under something. And so, again, if standing out is important, then the life of Christ needs to be seen in us. Um, and it needs to be able to, and both with salt and light, they need to draw people in. So salt, again, like if, if you've got a good meal sitting on the table and it's being salted correctly, it will make people come back for more. Um, but if you wonder if light is attractional, okay, a couple of little illustrations. You get up in the middle of the night going to the toilet and, and you find out what your little toe is made for. It's to actually find furniture in the dark. That is why God designed our little toes. But if there's light happening, like it might wake us up a lot, but at least we don't run into stuff. But the other thing light does, it, 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 if you leave a light on, like those insects are drawn to it. They are drawn to it. They are attracted like, and so sometimes the only way you can get rid of insects is to turn your light and put another light on so they, they're drawn away from you. So both salt and light have this attractional um, aspect. And verse 16 brought up this idea. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let your light shine. Now, considering what we've been doing in the past month, Paraphrase that. Paraphrase that. Let your light shine, um, so that shine before others, that they may see how you are blessing others, and glorify your Father in heaven. Because again, as I've been watching our church um, and hearing the stories of how people have sought to be a blessing, and I've been a recipient of, of blessing that has happened in the past month. I've been a giver of blessing. I'm going. Are we able to shine our light in such a way? Uh, are people looking at us not for again to say look at how good a person they are because you look at the purpose of we, we do our good deeds why we be a blessing so that people may glorify the Father in heaven so coming back to this idea our lives should be like a trailer that draws people to God and his kingdom um, there was a theologian called Leslie Newbingen who put it this way the church exists for the sake of those who are not members as a sign, an instrument and a foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. Sign, foretaste and instrument. So what, what do they mean? Well, firstly, a sign, church is a sign pointing people to the reality that is right around the corner. The kingship of Jesus and his imminent return. It's a foretaste. Like the movie trailer, churches where people can get a taste of the future in the, in the present. When the church is a foretaste, we demonstrate what life is like when men and women living under the rule and reign of the power of the Spirit. And the church is meant to be an instrument. Um, and not like a tool in the hands of God, we are here, we are used to help shape God's preferred future for this planet. And the thing is, that's what, again, being missional as a church is all about. Again, sometimes we, we do get trapped or we settle on the idea that church is a place that I go to and I get there on time, it finishes on time, I stay for a cup of coffee and then I go and church is over. Nowhere is that picture found in the Bible at all. And not, not even, not one place. 
Um, in fact, like I don't think they ever had a church service that went for an hour in the in the Bible. So, like we're not we're not going back that way. But like, um, but the thing is, we need to realise that the church is um, always at work. So today, I want to look at the idea: what is the, what is the reign of God, and how can our lives be like a sign or a foretaste? How can our church be like that? Um, if, if your life is meant to alert people to his reign, what exactly are you pointing them to? Do you find your life is radically different from those around you or do you complain as much? Do you get upset as much? Do you sort of um, say the same jokes? Do you watch the same shows? Do you, do you complain about your bosses? Do you um, complain about your families? Complain about your husbands? The same as everyone else. Or do we show that there is something different by the way that we live and we talk? So N.T. Wright actually, um, he, he says, says the reign of God has a number of essential elements. He firstly says um, reconciliation is at the heart of God's reign. So first of all, that means the reconciliation is between us and God. So again, really going through this, because I'm sure most of you are up, up on this, that God realised that we weren't in right relationship with him and that happened in the in the garden of Eden. Um, and then basically he sent Jesus to make it possible for us to be in right relationship with God but when you look at the commandments that he gave he said it's not just being in right relationship with God because it says love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and love your neighbor as yourself I actually heard someone actually paraphrase this week and said love yourself as your neighbor and I'm going oh when you say it like that Oh, if I don't love my neighbour very well, I'm not going to love myself very well. So it's sort of it's a different way about it. But the thing is, there is a an implicit sort of instruction and command and an idea for us to, to bring about reconciliation between others and God and even between us and others. Second uh, Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, who did he give that ministry to? Yeah. Now, don't say me. You can say us. You can say me. Um, You can't say just that guy up the front because it's actually plural. It's a ministry of reconciliation that is given to us. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Movie trailers, salt and light, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, anyone gone out into their week last week and gone, I'm a Christ ambassador. Look at me if you want to know about Christ's work in the world. That's not not a statement of pride. Um, It is a statement of, of praise to God. But who feels confident going out in their week and saying that? You've got Robin. This I already testified to this. You've got Robin sitting the red lights and there is steam coming off her head. And people are sitting there patiently behind her going, what's wrong with that woman up the front there? Josiah's in the car sort of moving as far as he can to the edge of the car going, oh, mum's about to blow a gasket. But the thing is, are we able to go into the world and be Christ's ambassadors? And as though God were making his appeal through us. How strong is God's appeal 
through us. When people are desperate or when people are being challenged, when people are being called back to God, are they looking at us and going, yeah, I, I, I can see what God has done in your life. I can see how God has used you. I can see that you need him every day. I can see that you are forgiven. I can see that. And you are making such a strong case for what God has wanted. So the thing is, since reconciliation is so central, it makes sense that it should be a core expression of God's reign and rule. Um, and, and it doesn't matter what background you have. Uh, in fact, you see um, in, in, in some of the different um, Gospels, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, slave or free, um, Gentile or Jew, it doesn't matter... Like, we are all one in, in needing this. But he, uh, Paul also picks this idea up in Galatians three twenty six to 29. So he says, that, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith, for you, are, you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All of a sudden we become part of something so much bigger when we let God own us in a way. Like God, when we are, are clothed because of what Jesus has done, like it is, is accepting fully what God has done for us. And you could do this in your workplace. You might actually be able to peace between warring colleagues. Um, you might just be able to, by your presence, people know not to gossip around you or complain around you because, oh, they're not in. I when I was very early on in my working with youth, um, some of the boys I used to work with, um, they were rough around the edges. They, they, weren't, they were not in a position where they... Uh, you, they weren't always at their, on their best behaviour, but they respected me and they'd watch their behaviour. Anyway, I was at a party one time and, and some of the mates of one of the guys in my youth group uh, were there and they were swearing with me, um, swearing like as, as much as they could. And one of them even asked me to go buy beer for him. And this is what my, the kid in my youth group, he actually said, if any of you do that again to Keith, you'll leave in my party. Why? Because knew that like that wasn't something I did and it's all of a sudden it brought a calmness to something that was a little bit out of control and so sometimes the way we live will alter people's behavior I'm sure most of you have had the experience where like if someone knows you're a Christian and they swear in front of you oh sorry about that and they kind of bring that in a bit and I go not a big deal like I'm just um, but like it changes people's behavior when we live in that way um, you might um, need to be recon- you might yourself might feel you need to be reconciled with someone uh, maybe a friend or family member someone within the church um, you might share the good news with someone that reconciles someone to God and through his son Jesus Christ so reconciliation becomes one of these key aspects Justice becomes this other one. Justice characterises God's reign. I was asking a question to, um, to, our, to our youth chat on Friday night. Is it fair that there is only one way to God? Anyone want to sort of hedge their bets? Is it fair that there is only one way to God? Yes? Yes, is it fair? Who says no? Okay. I actually, it's actually both. It's yes... It's the only way we can get to God. 
Only way doesn't mean it, it actually is available to all. But it's actually very unfair. It's just... Fair to. Jesus. Jesus, it was very unfair to him. How many sins did he commit? None, that's right. Big fat zero, and yet his life was lost, and he took all the sins of the world. And so when we talk about justice, all of a sudden justice becomes one of these things because for us, some of us interpret justice getting what I want. Anyone have that sort of form of justice going, as long as everything works out the way I want, that's justice. But the Hebrew word for just justice is mishpat, and it occurs in various forms more than 200 times in the Old Testament. And it means more than just the punishment of wrongdoing. It also means giving people their rights. So mishpat is giving people what they are due, whether it's good or bad. Um, over and over, mishpat describes taking up care and cause of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. We actually see that a lot through the, the, the writings of the Often you'll see that as one of their claims against the people of Israel. You have not looked after the widows. You have after the orphans and the poor and vulnerable. You have not done that. And so therefore I'm going to bring my judgment against you. But it's also, Mishpat is also related to another Hebrew word. And I had to look it up how to pronounce this one. Um, Sidekar. Um, which refers to a life of right relationships. And so Siddiqar refers to a day-to-day living which a person conducts all relationship in family and society with fairness, generosity and equity. One way to look at, at the relationship between the two words is that Siddiqar is a primary justice and Mishpat is rectifying justice. In other words, Siddiqar is the blockbuster film, the way life will be like in the kingdom of heaven, while Mishpat is the trailer. So Mishpat is like, this is what's going to come. Siddiqar is actually being played out. And so what we see in that, though, is that there is an opportunity for people to see justice at work in our world on a day-to-day basis by the way that we live. All of a sudden, it changes our perspective in how we treat people. Um, I remember uh, really clearly... um, Eve um, went up to the hospital and um, waiting for my foot to be stitched up. And the thing was, what I noticed was that there was these little children coming in who had fevers, who had um, sore throats, who were vomiting. And I was sitting there going, if I had a spot, I'd give it to you because you, you need it more than I do. The thing was, there was, there was no one was moving in line at all at the time. And a lot of the kids, they, they, parents, the kids calmed down, fell asleep, medication kicked in, and a lot, all of them went home before it was my turn to go in and see the doctor. But sometimes we have this idea that, oh, we need to help out those vulnerable, more vulnerable people than we are. And sometimes that puts us out a little bit. There is a sacrifice involved in that. Um, but Jesus came to bring both these things. He came to bring um, Mishpah and Siddiqah. Um, and, and we see this um, in a Christmas um, writing that we see in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. His reign was one of Siddiqah, and we are called to perform acts of Mishpah to reveal his reign to others. So again, that becomes a challenge in us because we don't really 
think through those terms. How can I bring justice to the world around me? Um, another aspect that we God's reign is that the beauty reveals God's reign. Um, I don't know about but at times if you are watching a sunset over the or you are in a solitude sitting by a waterfall in, in the middle of nowhere or, or putting a fishing line out into a quiet river. All those places, they, they invoke this feeling of the beauty of God and therefore actually brings this idea of closeness to God. But again, it's not only just um, natural wonders. There are other ones. Um, I haven't had the opportunity yet, but you've got places over in um, uh, um, the Europe which have been... Massive architectural sort of buildings that have been designed to honour God. And I've heard people speak of them as they go in and feel the presence of God. Um, again, it's a, a thing of beauty that draws people, um, I suppose, attention to God. Um, and, and more than natural beauty, we, we, we can also then look at um, um, committing ourselves to creating beautiful music, art, craft and food. Um, some of us don't think about that, but... You know, this is this is fantastic. I can't. Oh, I wish I had more of it. I, and then you go. I wish I hadn't eaten as much of it later on. But like that's so. There's there is a beauty that we can see in a lot of different ways, and it actually can draw our attention to God. N.T. Wright puts it this way: It is central to Christian living that we should celebrate the goodness of creation, ponder its present brokenness, and insofar as we can, celebrate in advance the healing of the world. The new creation itself, art, music, literature, dance, theatre and many other expressions of human delight and wisdom can all be explored in new ways. I think sometimes we don't enjoy around us as much as we should. And again, there is benefit in it for us as we see God, but as we point that out to others, like when we, we point out the stars, when I have a conversation with my kids and say, you look at the stars and God knows... Is. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God creative? And so beauty is, becomes very much a part of, of God's reign and a way that we can recognise that, a way that we can show that to others. Fourthly, wholeness demonstrates God's reign. When John the Baptist heard from prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to check and see if it was really the Christ. Now, this was the same John the Baptist that had baptised Jesus, saw the dove came, and then all of a sudden, what was happening was, Jesus was doing, I suppose, playing by a different... John was a little bit uncertain about, is this actually working? Is this the guy? Did I, did I get it right? Have I got it wrong? And so he sent his, um, uh, his disciples to, to question Jesus. And we pick this up in Matthew 11, 4 to 6. It says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed are the man who does not fall away on account of me. The primary ways that Jesus revealed his kingdom to others was through the use of parables and miracles. The miracles were trailers or foretastes of the world to come. But even bigger than that is that what the miracles actually did, like I think a miracle would have been an amazing thing to see. Um, who, what would have your favourite miracle been? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. The feeding of the thousand would have been pretty awesome. Walking on water, again, would have been up there. 
Lazarus. Now, that would have been a good one, okay, because you actually saw a guy walk out of a tomb. And because no one was for Lazarus. So there were some pretty amazing things. But what we need to realise, there was a bigger purpose. When Jesus healed those, um, those lepers and they all ran off to go back to the temple because they could not be a part of society until the priest basically gave them the one saver and said, you're all good, you can go back. And one came back and thanked Jesus. But that was an amazing thing, healing the lepers. But what he did, he them to community. When he healed the, um, the blind, he restored them to community. He, he sort of um, he cast out demons. What did he say to that, that guy that he cast out the demons? Go back and tell your family. Go back and be with the ones who love you and be a witness for me. He restored them community. So Jesus actually had a bigger purpose with his miracles and all the things he did. And even the way that he acted with the lost was that he wanted to restore people to fullness, to wholeness. The woman came before him and caught in adultery. And what does he do? He forgives her, go and sin no more. And so basically saying, I love you. Don't live this way. Live in a way that honours me. And in so doing, I restore you. And so do you know what? I can't remember the last time I performed a, a physical miracle. Um, but in saying that, there are times that we can still perform that principle that Jesus was trying to do to restore the wholeness by sitting with someone who is sick by sitting with someone who is homebound providing meals by just caring for someone taking time to, to listen to someone's story I, I love it in our church that, that we've got babies around everywhere and people are going you know what mums need a break that's a great thing to see because it just it gives that little bit more a relief of sanity I suppose at times but the thing is that's something that we can all be a part of. Idea of wholeness that we can actually be that we can be involved in. Now, in the future, in God's reign, when the heaven is is there and we are part of it, there will be no sickness or disease, no mental illness or depression, no birth defects or scars. We will all be remade whole. But in the present time, we can still be part of that seeing God's kingdom come by the part that we play in that. And again, it may mean that we need to take some time to, to again show our love for people around us. Even Jesus, even for children. And again, I, this may sound bad, but I'm really proud of our church in the way it loves kids. Because not all churches do, they, not all churches value them, and it becomes really important. And that's one of the reasons we do our kids' club. Why? Because we love kids, we value them. We, we want to say, we want them to understand how valuable they are to God. It's the same with our other ministry, youth, our men, our women. We want you to understand that you are valuable to God. And so sometimes we need to take time for that. And we need to sort of have those conversations with the kids at school this week. And as they sort of um, got chocolate cake coming out of their mouth, they'll tell us what they've been about. And we just look past that and we become something. I suppose, as we said at the start, be an ambassador of Christ to them. So we have all these opportunities to bring wholeness um, uh, that is coming with God's reign. Well, we Christians are the sent ones, and we have been sent into our world, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, to alert others of the reign of God. Um, it's our role as instruments in God's hands to bring the taste of wholeness, justice, 
beauty and reconciliation and to let others know that these will fully flower in the return of Christ. It's a story relationship and to know that heaven comes all relationships will be right. And Michael Frost talks about in his book, he says he recommends that we take a journal and he, he uses the illustration that for those who have fitness, anyone got a, a step tracker on their watch or anything like that? So that becomes a form of a journal. Uh, it sort of tells us how we're doing and, and it tells us how many days you've been doing it and go, oh, well, 100 steps for the last 100 days, I'm doing so well, or, or whatever, you want to sort of, whatever your goal is, um, it's only 100 um, step it up a bit. Um, but the thing is, it becomes a journal for us. And he suggests in this idea of being the sent ones, the ones who becomes ambassadors for Christ, that we keep a journal of how we are doing that. Not for our sake, not for, like, okay, look at how good I am. But for the point so that we get to the place where we identify clearly that when we say, who am I? I'm a sent one. I'm one that goes out and, and I, I represent Christ in my world. All of a sudden our journal will reinforce that so as you go out and be a blessing, as you go out and share your faith, as you go tell people about Jesus, as you spend time and, and, and bring reconciliation somewhere, all of a sudden write that down and say, and then do it, maybe sort of sum it up saying, because I am an ambassador of Christ. And eventually you won't need the journal anymore because it becomes your first impulse, your instinct, your, your, your identity, that you are an ident- uh, ambassador of Christ. And, and reshaping our identity, um, all of a sudden, these become habits that we live out in our life fully. So as we wrap up this series, I, I pray that you don't sort of forget about this as we move on in next week. I, I pray that you have that desire to surprise the world in how we live. That people kind of go, what are you doing that for? Why do you live like that? Why do you even care about those people? And we have that opportunity to speak into people's lives. Seek to continually be a blessing. Seek to have those opportunities where you share others. Invite people in to share those intimate times of food with you where you are able to have a coffee or a meal and and grow in relationship. And invite others from outside your sphere at present into that to be a part. And remember, we do this because we're sent one. One who is an ambassador for Christ as though Christ was speaking through our lives to them directly. So let's take on that challenge and live that out as we go into this week, into this and and see our world change for Christ. Lord, we thank you that um, thank you that we have seen uh, for ourselves the acts of reconciliation and beauty and justice and wholeness. We have found that in our own lives. I pray that we are able to live in such a way that we are able to to see that amazing change that God is wanting to do and and let us be a part of it. Let us not sort of view it through someone else's actions but let us see it as our actions put to work. May you be able to speak through the times that we bless others and share food and share you uh, to them. And I, I pray that we will take seriously the challenge of being a sent one, an ambassador of Christ. And I pray that we would, we would take that on as our identity as we live for you in our faith. We pray this in your name. Amen.